Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Genesis, no, Exodus chapter 33, I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 33, and I'm going to need your help this morning in prayer. There's something on my heart that I want to share with you this morning, and I've been trying to just this week articulate it in a way that will come across very impactful for you and that will leave a mark in your life that can never be erased. I've never preached this before, but it has been something that's been on my heart over the last several months. And today, I just sensed in my heart that I was supposed to share it with you today. And we're going to start in Exodus 33, verse 1. I'm going to go to verse 4. And then we're going to skip around. We're going to skip around today in the Bible. You don't have the benefit of the screen, but that's okay. You have your Bibles this morning. Verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. Let me give you a little background. First of all, this passage is a, a intimate conversation that Moses gives us. He's the writer of Exodus. He gives us this conversation for us to be able to glean from in the day and age that we live in now. And Abraham is the father of the Jewish people, the Hebrews. God chose a race through Abraham. Abraham is the father of that race, and that race are the Hebrew people. And God promised Abraham that they would have a land, that they would have a territory of their own, that they would be able to live, thrive, survive, and prosper in a land of their own. Because remember, there are a new group of people that don't have a land. They don't have a home. But consequently, for 400 plus years, these Hebrews have been in bondage in under slavery with the Egyptians. Powerful nation, the Egyptian nation led by Pharaoh has enslaved this group of people for over 400 years. So generations only know bondage. They only know slavery. But God, come on, somebody shout, but God. But God had a plan. And his plan, he always has a plan, by the way. But his plan was to utilize a man by the name of Moses. Now understand, the enemy was after Moses. Pharaoh had a decree that said any male child born uh, uh, must be killed immediately once they were born. And uh, Moses, some way, somehow, because he's chosen by God, anointed by God, appointed by God for such a time as this, was able to be hidden in a shack by his mom. Now, we're not talking about the 3,000 square foot home you currently live in. And, you know, you, were able, you can hide maybe something in that big house you got. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about a shack. 
Ashak where slaves lived and Moses was able to be hidden there until he was a toddler and then his mom had to kick him out the house. Imagine that for a second, you kicking your toddler out of the house. His mom had to kick him out of the house because there would be problems if it was discovered that Moses, her toddler son, was still alive and she placed him in, on, on the Nile River. How dangerous is the Nile? Alligators and all type of uh, human eating animals are in the Nile River. She places them in the Nile. But because of God's grace and his provision and his plan for the life of Moses and the Hebrew people, he was found by Pharaoh's daughter himself. And was raised in the home of the Egyptians who hated the Hebrews, by the way. And he was brought up in ways and he learned the culture and the philosophy. He learned the language. He learned how to assimilate and to adapt under that type of culture where the Egyptians were concerned. All the while knowing that people that looked like him were in bondage, in slavery, beaten up, chained, whipped, so on and so forth. So Moses is sleeping with the enemy, literally. But God has a plan, and God utilizes Moses to learn the culture of the Egyptians, utilizes him to, to learn how they think, how they act, to, to know what happens. And then God used Moses, sent him away after Moses killed an Egyptian for 40 years for training purposes. He had to be with sheep, and that was for training purposes. Some of you are trying to figure out why God hasn't promoted you right now. Maybe you are in the training stage, and preparation time is never wasted time. And so he sent Moses out and in the wilderness for, well, not in the wilderness, I'm sorry, to, to watch Jethro's sheep for 40 years, and then God showed up as a, in a burning bush and said, go rescue my people. It is time for them to be delivered. So Moses comes back to Egypt, understand he knows all the articulation, the, the culture, the philosophy, he knows everything about the Egyptians. So he's well able, well qualified to go, knows how to speak their language, and he declares, let my people go. And after what, 10 plagues, finally Pharaoh was smart enough, well, one time he wanted to stay with the frogs overnight. Moses said, I will tell God to lead, let the frogs go now, and Pharaoh says, no, nah, do it tomorrow. What kind of mess is that? And so he goes and he delivers the children of Israel after 10 major miracles that take place by the hand of the Lord. He delivers the children of Israel. They leave Egypt and then God parts the Red Sea. They walk through it and wipes out their enemies in one moment. So no one's chasing them. And now they have their future ahead of them. And they go into the wilderness. And Moses says, listen, I'm going to go up in chapter 32. I encourage you to read that in Exodus 32. I'm going to go up, spend some time with the Lord. And, uh, and the people felt like, well, Moses must be up there far too long. Because he, you know, what's going on? We, we need a God that we can serve. And so they went to Aaron, Moses' brother. This is a holy man, by the way, and said, listen, I don't know what's going on with this Moses guy. He hasn't come back, but we need something to serve. And Aaron says, I got a great idea. Everybody give me their jewelry and their gold. And, and then it says that he engraved an image, dumped it into, you know, whatever that refines gold and comes out this big old calf. 
And then they shout, this is the God that delivered us from our enemies. And when I was a kid, I used to laugh at that, like, how dumb can you be? And, I, and then my mom would tell me, we are the same way. God has saved us, delivered us, and we turn to money. We turn to a man or a woman. We turn to a job. We turn to something else. And we declare that is what has saved me and delivered me. And it is an idol unto us. And so then Moses comes down after spending time with God with the Ten Commandments written by the hand of God. But he sees this buffoonery taking place and he drops the the tablets with the hand of God was written, went to Aaron and said, Aaron, what kind of mess have you allowed to take place? What is going on in here? He probably had a few choice words for Aaron. Aaron says, I don't know, the people, you know, they threw their gold into this furnace and up, out came a calf. No, Aaron, no, that's not what happened. You made the calf. But Moses lets him get away with that lie. Well, now we come up to verse 33, and God is talking to Moses. And he says to Moses, he says, listen, I'm going to obey what I said I was going to do. I'm going to go ahead and give you that promised land. I said I was going to do it for 400 years, and I'm going to go ahead and do it now. I'm going to give you the promised land. And that sounds like good news, doesn't it? We're going to receive the promised land finally. And what I'm going to do is we're going to take care of all of the enemies that are on your way. Glory to God, that's good news. All of the enemies in my way is going to be taken care of. Ain't that good news this morning? Like all the enemies are going to be taken care of and I'm going to be able to go into the promised land. But the Lord has a quandary in this. He says, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send my angel. I'm going to send somebody that's with me to go with you, but I ain't going with you, but I'm going to give you that promised land. So ultimately, here's what the Lord said to Moses. He says, I'm going to give you the promised land, but I'm not going to get, but I'm not going to give you my presence. I'm going to give you the promised land, but I'm not going to give you my presence. Now, what's more important, receiving the promise of God or carrying the presence of God? Too often, we want the hand of God. We want the promise of God. We want what God can do for us. God said, I'm going to go ahead and do that, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to be in close proximity with you. I'm not going to be in your vicinity. I'm not going to be around you. I'm not going with you. Then he calls them a stiff neck people. Because you are rebellious, stiff neck, and, and stubborn. And I, I don't have time for this because I might consume you along the way. I might take you out when I'm going with you. So I'm not going to go with you. And God presented this scenario to Moses. Look at verse 12. Genesis, I mean Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, You said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Pause there for a second. Moses is telling the Lord, 
you want us to go to the promised land, <laughs> but you're not going with us. But you told me that you know me and you told me that I am highly favored in your sight. Now, we understand through Moses' past, he is highly favored by God. God knows Moses. He knows him inside and out. He knows him. And look at verse 13. Moses is still talking. He says, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. What a powerful statement. Moses is telling them, if I found, telling God, if I found grace in your sight, if I'm highly favored by me, show me your way or show me your plan. Show me how you think. Show me how you feel. Show me how you come to conclusions. Show me what's going on on the inside of you. Show me what your philosophy is about things. Show me your way. And watch this. He says that I may know you. Say, say that I may know you. Say it again. That I may know you. Say it one more time. That I may know you. Now, this whole time, the Lord's saying, I know you, Moses. Now, Moses is returning saying, but I want to know you. I want to intricately and intimately and adequately understand and recognize and know you. We've fallen unintentionally into an area where we just want to know his stuff. If I, just, if I can just have his stuff, if I can just have his blessing, if I can just have health in my body, if I can just have a little money in the bank, if I could just have a new car, if I could just have the promise without the presence. Guys, over the last several months, I've been thinking about this. The promise without the presence. And Moses said, I want to know you because you said I found grace in your sight. And don't forget, Lord, these ain't my people. <laughs> these are your people. And God says to him in verse 14, very famous passage of scripture, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Such, such a powerful statement that Moses had to show the Lord that he really wanted him before the Lord returned and said, you know what? I'm not going to send my angel anymore. I'm going to go with you. Moses convinced him that it was necessary for the Lord to go personally be with them or they didn't even want the promise. Moses in the next verse literally says, we're not going to go unless you go. Even though the Lord just said, I'm going, Moses reiterates, I'm not going unless you go. I don't want the promise unless you're with me. I don't want the stuff unless I have you. I don't want healing in my body without you. I don't want a full bank account without you. I don't want the blessing without you. What is the blessing without you? It is a curse. That's what it is. 
It's a curse without the Lord. I saw something on um, social media the other day, and I sent it to a couple of people. And the the item was, um, what would you do if a billion dollars showed up at your front door? My first thought was, most Christians would abandon God. If a billion dollars showed up at the door, they would curse God and chase after the money. That's sad. They would abandon God. If a billion dollars showed up at the door. You know what I would do if a billion dollars showed up at the door? The same thing I'm doing right now. The same thing I'm doing right now. Because if you can be faithful with a few, you can be faithful with more. But see, that would be a test to most folks. That would be a huge test. Do I continue to serve the Lord? Do I want the presence of God? Would I do what he tells me to do with it? Would I go where he tells me to go with it? Or would I do what everybody else is telling me to do with it? Moses says, I want your presence. Verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is a word from the Lord for somebody. My presence is going to go with you. And I'm going to give you rest. That means everything is going to be all right. Come on, somebody. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to be filled with peace because my presence will be with you. You're going to be comforted because my presence is with you. You're going to be settled and consoled because my presence is with you. And everything in the future is going to be all right. Glory to God. That's a word from God for me this morning that whatever the future holds, my presence is going to go with you. You're not going to be alone. You're not going to have to do it by yourself. I'm going to tell you what to do. When you run into things that you don't know what to do, I'm going to tell you what to do because my presence is going to be with you. So you don't have to be afraid of making mistakes. You don't have to be afraid of getting it wrong. You don't have to be afraid of the future. You don't have to be afraid of failure. You don't have to be afraid of success. Because my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Glory be to God. Uh, the, in, the, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy found in, in Psalm. And it also says that in Acts that times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. Will you just take a moment, lift up your hands and just recognize that the presence of the Lord is in this place. The presence of the Lord is here. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Say, he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. Come on, recognize the presence of the Lord. Verse 15, he says, if your presence do not, does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? How are people going to know that we are favored by you unless you go with us? It's not about the stuff. It's about your presence being with us. And they said, so we shall be separate, Moses said, we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Notice that the distinguishing difference between 
the people of God and the people of the world is the presence of the Lord. That's the difference. It's not the bank account. It's not the money. It's not your good looks. It's not that you go to church. It's not that you serve in the church. It's not because you have a Bible sitting at your desk while you're at work. It's not because you say you're a Christian. It's because of the presence of the Lord. That's the distinguishing difference. I want his presence. I want his presence on my life more and more. I want people to see there's a difference because there's the presence of God. And they may not articulate the presence of the Lord, but it's something different. I carry his presence with me. Glory be to God. I want his presence to be so strong in my life that people recognize him. And they leave wanting to know about him. What is it that's on your life that's not on my life? Well, let me tell you, I went to college and I got a four-year degree from Yale. That's the difference. And, and No, that's not the difference. The difference is the presence of the Lord. Moses said, I don't want the promise without the presence. Moses knew. He knew, you know, the power of God. He's experienced the power of God. He knew the the promises of God. He knew these things. But he says, I want the presence of God. And look here in verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. He's highly favored. Verse 18, Moses, he takes it a little further. I'm asking for your presence, but I want a little bit more. Since we're talking, give me a little bit more. Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He says, listen, I don't need to vote about this. I don't need your approval. I'm going to be gracious to whomever I choose to be gracious. And I'm going to show compassion to whomever I choose to show compassion. But I love when he said, but I will make all my goodness pass before you. Moses is asking for the glory. The Lord says, I'm going to give you my goodness. How many want the goodness of the Lord to pass by you, to be on you, to be in you, to go before you? The goodness of the Lord. So the glory of the Lord is the manifest, manifested presence of God and the manifested goodness of God all at the same time. The glory of the Lord is the manifested presence of God and the manifested goodness of God all at the same time. And he says, my goodness. That's the distinguishing difference is the goodness. What people will see, they may not know how to interpret, but what they should see in your life is the goodness of God. That's the presence of God. That is the manifested glory of God. It's the goodness of God on your life. Why does that seem to happen for you? It's the goodness of God. Now, that doesn't mean you won't go through things. Don't take this message and feel like, well, I don't have this goodness because I'm going through. No, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. We talked about that last week. It's not about 
uh, well, I, the glory means I'm never going to go through anything. No, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You're going through that. You're not stopping at that trouble. You're going through the trouble. You're not sleeping in that trouble. You're going through the trouble. You're not building a house in that trouble. You're going through the trouble. And trouble don't always last. Oh, I'm preaching better than you saying amen in here. He said, I will show you my goodness. When times are tough, you're going to see my goodness. When times are hard, you're going to see my goodness. When cargo ships are stuck in docks because they can't unload material, you're going to see my goodness. When the gas prices continue to increase, you're going to see my goodness. There's going to be a difference between those that carry the presence and those that just want the promise. How many want the presence in this house today? Look at Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Glory be to God. The presence of the Lord. Look at verse 1. This is a story of Joseph. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. That, that whole kind of uh, verbiage is still foreign today. He bought him. I mean, think about that. If I come to your house and, and I say, hey, uh, what you going to do? Well, I'm going to go buy a man today. You'd be like, wait a minute. What's going on here? But that was very common. And in some parts of the world, that's still common today. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Say the Lord was with Joseph. Say it one more time. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. Let's pause there. Was he successful because of his education? Was he successful because of his looks? Was he successful because of the money he had in the bank? Was he successful because he knew how to work hard? He was successful because the Lord was with him. Is the Lord with you? Yes. yes, right, definitively, yes. Then you are a successful man or woman. Amen. Say, I receive that. I don't care what you see, you've been, you've been judging and comparing about worldly standards, but if the Lord is with you, you are a success. And here's what things are going to start showing up. This is what's going to start showing up for you. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So people are going to start seeing it now. Uh, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. So his master saw it. And, and the Lord made all Joseph did to prosper. So that's what the Lord will do. When he's with you, people will see it. And everything you do shall prosper. Come on, somebody shout, everything I do shall prosper. In verse 4, Joseph found favor in the sight of Potiphar's, uh, uh, of, of uh, Potiphar. And then look, look here in verse 5. It says, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing on the Lord was on all that he had in his house. Why? Because it was for Joseph's sake. And because the Lord was with Joseph. Your success has nothing to do with your strategy. Listen to me. Your success has everything to do with how much you realize the Lord is with you. In church, over the last several months, I've just been thinking while I'm driving the car, the Lord's with me. The Lord, I'm not by myself. The Lord's with me. 
And, and as I'm going into the grocery store, the, the Lord is with me. I'm not alone. The, the Lord is with me. And, and when I'm going and, and sitting in the house, sitting on the couch, the Lord is with me. He's with me right now. He's with me. I may not can feel him, but I can sense him. There's a difference. He's with me. The Lord is with me. So therefore, that has to work out in my life. Well, what if the biggest giver of the church leaves the church? The Lord is with me. Well, what if you get fired? The Lord is with me. Come on, you got to get in the practice of saying, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. That's what caused success. The Lord is with me. Moses said, I, I don't want the promise without the Lord being with me. The Lord is with me. If I had more time, I would show you verse after verse after verse after verse where people, Isaac, blessed because the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Look at Acts chapter 10 real quick. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I believe. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Watch this. For God was with him. Now, now notice this. Jesus had to have the Lord with him as well. He didn't, he didn't do. He was a man on this earth. He forfeited all of his godly, unique privileges to be a man like you and I on the earth. And the Lord had to be with him in order for him to accomplish everything God called him to do. God anointed him, watch this, with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody shout, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of, I have to say this, might be a little pet peeve of mine, but there's a lot of verbiage, you may not have heard it, but this is going around where a lot of people are no longer using the when they talk about the Holy Spirit. They just say, Holy Spirit said, well, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not Holy Spirit, as if, you know, that's his name. His name is not Holy Spirit. His name is the Lord. And he functions as the Holy Spirit. And so people, people try to get real spiritual. Well, Holy Spirit told me, and I was talking to Holy Spirit. No, 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 that, 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 that's, that's inaccurate, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work grammatically, and it's not found in Scripture, but people want to feel like they have this close relationship with the Holy Spirit, that they, they're going to drop the the, and now they're going to just say Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit because it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's God. Who is with you and he's functioning as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, you're anointed with God. Hallelujah. Say, I'm anointed with God. And with power. Say, and with power. And he went about doing good. That means that, that, was, that, that going about doing good means it was philanthropy. He went about just doing good, doing good things. Good things. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. How was he able to do all of this? For God was with him. Say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. When you realize Samson 
had the hand of the Lord on him to do those things that were accomplished by him. Paul, God used, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11, why? The Lord is with him, so unusual things are happening. Supernatural things are happening. Manifestation is happening. Goodness is happening. Success is happening. Not because of them, but because the Lord is with me. Church, I want you to be so hungry after today in realizing what you have with you and more importantly, who you have with you. The Lord is with, man, I don't know how to discipline my kid right now. They're, they're acting up in, in this way and that way. I don't know what to do. The Lord is with me. Lord, you're with me. Show me. Show me what I'm to do in this situation. Well, I don't know what's going on at work. I've got a unique situation at work. I don't know how to handle it. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is with me. Come on, somebody say, the Lord is with me. Jesus was successful because the Lord was with him. In Genesis 39, we read Joseph was successful because the Lord was with him. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, and let's look at verse 15. Genesis 28 and verse 15. Watch this. This is a word from God right here for somebody in here today. If you'll take it, this is God's word for you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Who received that? Take it online. Say, I received that right now. Put it in the chat room. I receive it. This is what the Lord's saying. I am with you. That's shouting ground right there. I mean, being without the Lord is bad news. That's why when we read in Exodus 33, when the Lord told Moses he wasn't going with them, it said the people mourn. They, that's bad news. The Lord ain't going. I don't want to go without the Lord. That's bad news. They cried and mourned and wept over that. And so Moses like, no, we don't want the promise without your, without your presence. And now he tells us here in verse 15, he's talking to Jacob here, he, but he's talking to you and I too. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And will keep you. He will protect you, guard you, and watch over you. When he's with you, he'll watch over you. He'll watch over you. He'll watch over you. You can send your kids out the house knowing that he will watch over them. You can send your spouse out, your mom out the house knowing, I don't care what's going on over here and over there. The Lord is with them and he's going to watch over us. Glory be to God. I will keep you and protect you. I will guard you wherever. Somebody shout wherever. That means you can go into a middle of a war zone and be guarded and protected. You can go into the hood and be guarded and protected. Hallelujah. The Lord is with you. You can go into a white supremacist area and be guarded and protected because the Lord is with you. 
glory be to God. He says, and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you. Glory be to God. Are, are you getting, are you feeling what Moses felt here for a second? He's like, I can't go without you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. There's the promise right there. Glory be to God. I'm going to fulfill the promise. And if you're going to be like Moses, who says, I don't want the promise without the presence. I don't want the promise without the presence. I don't want the promise without the presence. Well, the Lord said, if that's your heart, then I'm going to give you the promise and my presence. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, watch this in verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Music